We are now beginning Meseches Bab Metziah, the middle gate. Having concluded, Meseches Bab Akama is the first gate. Now we're doing the next segment in, according to some, which is Meseches Nazikin, Kulumis Nazikin Chad Vesechtahi. According to others, actually are separate Meseches, but nevertheless, the name of this Mesechta is Bab Metziah. Metziah comes from the word middle. So, Emtza. So, this Perek specifically is discussing the way we, do, we uh, address dispute concerning financial matters. Now, we know that generally if a person uh, makes a claim that something that somebody else has belongs to him, so then the law is a motzimachavero means the burden of proof is on the claimant. If somebody is in possession of an item and you claim it's yours, that claim has to be backed up with witnesses that can attest to the fact that actually it is yours and that his possession of it is not give him the authority over the item. So that's, that's a stand-up situation, but not always, as we'll see in our Mishnah, can we apply the din of Amotzi Mechaveri Lavaraya that, uh, and, and, and there are cases where there are other ways that we will address this financial dispute. Now among the different uh, solutions to financial dispute and when they are applied is really the subject matter of the analysis of, the, uh, of these dafim that we're learning right now, the tosfus and, 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 and defining what Rashi Shita on this is what all the shiurim and the Ion shiurim and the yeshiva are going to be given. But let's go through some of the different alternative tools that are utilized and uh, not necessarily dealing with when they are applied, but some of it will come up even in today's shiur. So you have that's when one person is possession of an item, another one is claiming, he has to bring the proof. Generally, what does it mean bring the proof? Being witnesses that it's not his, it belongs to you. All right? But there are cases where we cannot say that. And uh, for example, we're going to be dealing with an our case where two people are holding onto an item, fighting over an item. So you can't say, in terms of because each one, the bearer of proof is on the claimant, because both of them have the equal. Uh, uh, right to the claim, or neither of them have an equal right to the claim in terms of possession, because they're both in possession. So we're going to see in our Mishnah, one of the tools that are used are, it's divided with an oath. Yachloku with a shvua. We had in Baba Kama, we had uh, in Baba Kama, Dav Lamedvav, Dav Memvav, we had the Shita of Sumchus, then in certain cases he says Yachloku without a shvua. We have a, uh, we're going to see later on the Masechta, there's a ruling called Kol Alem Gavar. Whoever is stronger, he is the one that wins. And exactly what it means, Kol Alem Gavar, does it mean with proof, with actually physical, that's going to be discussed in that sugya, right? So there's options, many different options. There's another option which we're going to touch on, which is known as Shuda Dedaini. Shuda Dedaini is the, literally means the cast of the Dayanin. It means machlok rashi tells how it works, but based on how they see fit under the circumstances, even if there's no clear cut proof, halachic proof, 
there are certain times where the dying gets like a, it's a pickem. He gets to choose how that works. So again, so there's many different options of to as to or uh, scenarios as to how money is divided when there is a question. So we're going to be dealing now with in the in the beginning of this masechta according to the ton of our mishnah in, uh, that this is the way he sees that money should be divided under dispute. So, if you have two individuals that are holding onto a garment, so clearly from the claim, where it must be that it was a lost object, and each one is claiming that he found it. The Rosh throws in, and there's a place where a majority of the people were non Jewish. Why does he have to throw that in? Because if the majority of the places of people that live that are Jewish, then you would not necessarily be allowed to keep the item. You would have to be Ashava Saveda. So it's in a non Ashava Saveda situation. So he's, he's claiming Zoma Nimatsasia, Zoma Kula Shali. Now we'll see if this is two different cases or it's one case. One person is claiming it's all mine, Zoma Kula Shali, and one person is claiming it is all mine. What is the ruling, says the Tana? that this one means one of the parties will swear that he has in it no less than 50% and half and the other one swears that he has in it no less than 50% and then it is divided it's divided by selling it it's divided by cutting it in half obviously the scenario each scenario has to fit the situation at hand, but then it is divided. But one of the things you see, and it's gonna be consistent with all the cases of our Mishnah, is the Tana does not allow an oath to be different than what you eventually end up with. That what you get the, has to be aligned with the oath. So if you're gonna end up 50%, you swear that you have no less than 50%. He doesn't let them each swear that they own 100% because then one of them clearly would be making an oath that is a shvur sheker, so therefore a shvur shav, he does not allow, a shvur sheker actually. So therefore, each one's oath should be con- uh, aligned with what his takeaway actually is. That's the ton of our Mishnah. But you see that you don't just say divide, it's only when the, if you take an oath, then you divide. That is the ruling of the ton now. So now let's change the scenario a little bit. For again, the first fellow's claiming it's all mine. Alright? All mine means I found the entire thing. The other one is saying, no, I own half. So now ostensibly, what is he claiming if he says I own half? Then you don't own the maybe you own the other half. Yeah, but but how, how do I, what's the case? I own half means I picked the thing up before you got it. So what, what's the other guy tying We picked it up together. All right, we picked it up together. It means each one should be getting half. All right, I'm not denying that you picked it up, but I picked it up the same time you did, so it should be 50-50. Yeah. Now, how do you think this should be divided? So let me tell you the logic here. The fellow who says that I own half is admitting to the other fellow that he owns half. So the only dispute really is on the remaining 50%. So on the remaining 50%, that's like the din of the Mishnah. If you say you own it, uh, uh, you own it, and I say I own it on the remaining 50%, so therefore it's split 
half and half. 75-25. Now the question is, what are the oaths going to be? So let's take a look in the in in the, in the Mishnah. The one who says that he owned the whole thing means he's not admitting that he picked it up together. He's saying, I picked it up all on my own. He swears that he has in it no less than three quarters, which is 75%. Because why? At the end of the day, that is... What he's going to be taking. His pull takeaway is going to be 75%. And the one who says that half of it was his because he was admitting that he picked it up together with the other fellow, he's the Yeshavish El Bagas Merivia. He swears that he has in it no less than 25%. Why? Because the other half has to be. Because that is the 25%. He's going to be walking away with 25%. All right. Now, uh, and therefore each one swears that he has in it. The one swears he has in it no less than 75%, the other one swears that he has in it no less than 25%, and then no and then the one that swore he has in it no less than 75% gets 75%, but then no and the other one gets 25%. Just a question, an interesting point that's brought here by the Rush. He says, I don't understand, why does he have to swear on the 75%? If the fellow agrees, that he owns half of it, he should only have to swear on 25%, not on 75%. You hear the Rush's question? Right. So the Rush says, is because that Chachamim were afraid that, you know, people don't want to swear falsely. People don't want to swear falsely, we know that. But what a person might uh, justify, says, in my mind, I'm swearing on 25%, but really he knows he picked it up together with the other guy. So really he only deserves 50, he doesn't deserve 75%. So when he swears on the 25%, he has in mind, I'm swearing on the 25% of the part that I have a right to. Right, that's what he's gonna think in his mind. Yeah, I'm, I have enough. I'm not swearing on the 25% that's on his 50%, I'll have in mind I'm swearing on 25%, even though that's not what based in are, but that's the way he'll justify taking the oath. The way to avoid it, we don't let you swear on 25. If you have to swear on the 75%, you can't make any of those mental uh, uh, excuses in your mind. Right? They can't do it to the of being um, a person is, is more heter for himself. He's uh, so like he justifies something. There's a name for it, uh, not justifying. Uh, anyway, whatever, we'll get to it. Now, let's go on. Two people riding on an animal. Again, it could be the same thing. The animal was a, a, a metzia. They both jumped onto it. They're both riding on it. It's the same thing as like holding onto. The point is they're physically showing that they have possession of the item. Or it could be or one was riding and one was leading. Raji points out the point of this is that leading and riding are showing that's the point. That's the point. Same case as the Raja. Each one is claiming that he owns the entire thing, means that he found it all. So then, each one swears that has in it no less than 50%, and they will divide. Now let's say they agree, all right? The Gemara is going to say, explain what exactly is the Chiddush over here, what's the situation. But let's say they agree they picked it up together, all right? or their witnesses. Now exactly what the witnesses are. Does each one have one witness claiming what he's saying? Or there's just two witnesses saying, we saw them pick it up. 
together. But either way, in that case, Cholkin below Shvua, then there would be no oath made under that circumstance, divided without an oath. It's exactly how the witnesses are working is subject to some discussion over here. Is it one witness on each side? Is it two witnesses on each side? Or is it just two witnesses saying they saw and pick it up together? All right, that is, but the point is, the result is Cholkin below Shvua. They divide without an oath. Now, what the Gemara wants to know, at this point, the Gemara understands, if you go back to the reading of our Mishnah, the Gemara understands is we have actually two court cases going on. There's a court case in, in court case uh, in, in, in court A, and there's court case in court B. What is the case? In one case, the person saying anima tasia, anima tasia. Those are two people, Reuben and Shimon, are fighting over an R. And in and, and in court B, you have uh, Levi and Yehuda saying ze omer kula shali, ze omer kula shali. The way they want to understand the Mishnah, we'll see in the Maskana if that's the way to read it, is that there's actually two different cases going on. In one case, there's an argument who finds something, and one says, who does this thing belong to? And the one wants to know why we have to have two cases that pretty much seem to be very similar. Are both the same guy, or these are different people? No, well, it's two, two different court cases. It's Reuven Shimon is not Levi and Yehuda. All right. So therefore, it's two different cases, right? Moses like this. Salamali lamitna zeh omani mezasiyah, vezeh omani mezasiyah. It does sound like four different people involved over here, two different cases. Right? We have right one case. Someone says, really, it is all one case. Really, what's going on here is that uh, so we're not talking about four different people. We're talking about two different people, and the guy saying, I found it. And it's all mine. And the other one saying is, I found it, and it's all mine. So one again says, but again, remember, we talk about there cannot be redundancy or extra wording in a Mishnah. So why can't you just say, so litni animitzasiyav anayadana? By saying, obviously, the guy's claiming, I'll find, I'll, I found you know it, that intimates it's all mine. That's what his claim is. Anayadana, and I would know, mean I, the reader, will realize that what the claim is over here is the kula shali, that you're saying kula shali. All right, so the Gemara suggests now, interesting thing, the Gemara suggests is that because in the minds of human beings, right, you see this all the time, all right, a person thinks because he sees something first, he acquired it. He owns it. I saw it first. Great, you saw it first, but seeing it first, but he, so therefore, if it just said, I found it, and the other one said, I found it, that might be dealing with a case, not that who picked it up first, but he thinks he has a right to it because I saw it first, even though the other guy picked it up first, but I saw it first. So check, would not give you a clear indication of what the events trans- what transpired. So you have to write Kula Shali. The Kula Shali teaches me that I saw it first is not enough. It's only if it's Kula Shali, only if the guy grabbed it first. That's what's required in order to say I found it first. All right? So what is it like this? Itan, animatosia. If it just said animatosia, and one says animatosia, I mean, I would have thought, my matosia, what does it mean? I found it. Reisia means I saw it. That's what you might have thought. Even though it did not actually enter into his hands, but he thinks that he acquired it with seeing alone. Therefore, the Tana doubles up and says to teach you that seeing is not acquiring. Now, what the one is going to ask a question now is really predicated on something we learned at the end of Babakama. 
Because you are saying that if you would have just said mitzasiyah, I found it. What does mitzasiyah mean? That's what you would have thought. So that you can't really say that that's what the word mitzasiyah no, means. Because the Gemara in the end of Avakama says that, remember we learned about that an Avedis, uh, uh, the Aveda of an Ovid Kachovim, right, you're not required to give back to him. In fact, you're allowed to keep it. The Aveda of an Ovid Kachovim. So Gemara said, how do you know that? Maybe it just means, I understand, because the Pazik says that if you see the, uh, the item of your brother, so I understand the Chiyu Vashavas Aveda is only on your brother, another Jew. I understand that. But maybe it means that therefore you have to leave it. Who says you're actually allowed to pick it up? If you actually picked it up, maybe then what? Then you're obligated to actually return it. Right? So it means maybe it's a loophole. You don't have to go pick it up by an Ovid Kachavim. But how do you know you're allowed to pick it up and keep it? Yeah. So therefore, a Jew, you're obligated to go pick it up and give it. And over Kachavim, you're not. But the question is, how do you know that? Maybe just you don't have to go pick it up. But if you did pick it up, maybe then you're obligated to return it to him. So, so the Gemara says no, because the Bozak says by the Jew, it says, if you find your brother, it says there, Umatsasia. Umatsasa. Matsasa means, and you found, it says more, Matsasa is mashma, that it came into your hands. So therefore, you see that when it says by a, a Yisroel, when it comes into your hands, you have to return it of Yisroel, which implies that when it, does, when it comes into your hands, it's you're not, not obligated. But what word teaches us that? Matsasa. So you see, Matsasa doesn't mean just I saw it. What does Matsasa mean? It actually came into your hands. So how can you say over here that you would have thought if it said Matsasa, it means you saw it as opposed to coming into your hand? That's the point the Moore's making. Tomorrow says like this, Omi Mazar Zamar, can you say, Ma Mitzosia, that what does the word Mitzosia means for Isia, that you only saw it without taking possession? Faha Amar Ravina. In Babakama it says Ravina. Here it says Ravnoi. That's why it changes. You see the Dalit yeah. in, in the um, in Shas changes it to uh, comply with what happened in Babakama. It says Umatsasa, that the word Matsasa in the Pasuk means that certainly you are the Mashma, it's Mashma that it entered into your hands. So it's more like this very important yesod when you're learning Mishnah and Gemara. He says that the Torah, when it writes the word, is writing the true definition of the word. So therefore, when it says matzasa in the Torah, matzasa means it, come, it comes into your, your it means it comes into your hands. That's what it means in the Torah, for sure. However, when the Mishnayas are written, they're written in the vernacular. They write in terms of the way people speak. And therefore, that's why when it says Animatsasiya, that's why it opens up the hole that you could think that what does it mean I found it? I just saw it because that in the vernacular, people, I found, I found it, you just saw it. But they will speak that way. So therefore, what the Moran is saying is you can't ask me a kasha from the definition of way the word means in the Torah to the definition of what you might have thought the usage of the word means in the Mishnah. All right? So it says more as follows. Mora says, in, you're right. Umatsasa de kra. When you see the word matsasa in the Pasuk, the Asali Yade Mashma, that does imply it has come into your hands. However, the Tana uses the vernacular. He uses the Lishna the Alma, the way people speak. Generally, that's how Mishnayas are written. And we know that it is the human condition that when he sees something, Amar, what does he say? Ana eshkaches, I am the one that found it. 
Even though it did not actually enter into his hands, he thinks that with seeing alone, he acquires it. That is how people think. Tani, therefore, the Tan of our Mishnah, to dispel that notion, what did he do? He wrote, Kula Shali. To show why is he doubling up on the Kula Shali? That extra usage of the word Kula Shali is to emphasize is that it actually has to be all yours. How does it have to be all yours? Because with seeing alone, it doesn't become yours. The Bereir Ba'alma Lo Kani Lo. So it's interesting because the word Kula Shali doesn't necessarily imply that it came into your hand. But the redundancy of the word kulashali with, with the word anamatasiya afterwards, that's teaching us that it has to actually come into your hand. Ask Gamora the I, obvious I, 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 question. I thought the, the actual verb was it man, sadik, hair, that, that's just a fine. Right. No, not no, not with a head, with an eye. With an eye. Uh, uh, with, 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 with an olive. With an olive. With an olive. It's defined. Defined. But you're saying in the Torah, it actually means to acquire. To That's what to my I found up. means a pick to pick up. Yes, That's in the Torah. In the, in the Torah. Torah. Yes. But here we're Mishnah. We're just we're the way people out. speak. That's a colloquial, a vernacular way. I saw. Right. Right. That's what you could have thought. Right. So says one like this. The one is the obvious question. Then don't even bother with mitzasir. Just go, yeah, and and then you have no reason to make the mistake. The only reason you made them think to make the mistake because you were the mitzasir. So you have to double down with the word kulishali. Just kulishali. This one says kulishali, this one kulishali. Okay, why is each one claiming? It must be the case is they're arguing about something they both found. Well, that that be the obvious question, right? Sumara says like this. Sumara says. So just write Kulashali, but Lord Boy, I need to see, and then you don't need to write the word Animatasia. Okay, everyone have the question. That's a solid question. Listen to what the one is going to answer. The one is going to answer is you write. In our Mishnah, it's a valid question. Why don't you write just Kulashali and Kulashali, and then you don't have a problem of having to explain what Animatasia, uh, Animatasia means? What the one is going to say is, but there are other places in Shas where there is a claim of I, I found it, mitzasiyah. The word mitzasiyah applies in other mishnayas in Shas. And therefore, the point of the Tana was trying to set this record straight that any time in Shas you come across the word mitzasiyah, it means you have to physically have taken into it. So even though it's not needed in our Mishnah, actually that's the point. Since it's not needed in the Mishnah, the purpose of the Tana is to define, not needed for our Mishnah, but define everywhere else in the Mishnahis in Shas, that when you come across the case that it uses where a person claims, I found it, what does it mean in those cases? That the person has taken physical possession of the item. So let's see it inside. Itana Kulashali. If you wrote the words just kulashali, leaving out what? Mitzasiyah, said hava amina ba'alma. I would have thought ba'alma means in general, in other cases, in other Mishnayas, the Tani Mitzasiyah, where it does write the word Mitzasiyah, okay? And it doesn't have a backup of the word kulashali. Then I would think taka kameen bariya ba'alma kani, that it's valid to assume with only seeing, without actually taking possession. Therefore, the Tana teaches you over here, Tana animitzasiyah. He teaches the word animitzasiyah. Vahadar Tana kulashali. And then he writes the word kulashali, the memishna yaseira, that from the additional clause, that additional teaching of the word kulashali in our Mishnah, 
Ashma inan, the lo kani, that re'i alone does not acquire. Even though it's a redundant a clause for our Mishnah, because our Mishnah could have just gone with foolishly without the Animitzasiyah, but it's, it's not considered redundant. It's considered to be teaching us that Re'iyah doesn't work at any time else in other places in Shas that it used the word Matzasiyah. It doesn't mean Re'iyah, it means actually physically coming into possession. Now, the Gemara asks now a very good question. Because we started off saying it seems to be like there's two cases. Court case A, court case B. We said, what do you have to have two cases for? No, so it's only one case. What's the claim? I saw it and, and, and found it. The more saying like this, really, if you read, if you're going to be on uh, integra, uh, in the integra, integrity of the reading of the Mishnah, you see it has to be two separate cases. Because if it really is all one case, then it should have just said that the claim was the person said, Ani mitzasiya vekula shali. That's not the way the Mishnah is written. It says, Ani ze omer ani ze omer kulashili, ze omer kulashili. Why do you have to repeat the ze omers twice? The fact that it says ze omer again and ze omer again, what does that clearly indicate? It's two separate cases. We're not talking about one case where the guy said, I found it and it's all mine. So the whole lumbus of the last seven, eight lines was based on that. Uh, why are we saying the guy saying both? Because we want to tell you that don't make a mistake. When he said, I found it, it means I saw it. The coolishly tells me, no, it actually came into possession. But we're not talking about one case. They're two separate cases. And what's the proof it's two separate cases? Because it says, Ze Omer and Ze Omer. So therefore, that wipes out the last. Well, I'm thinking that that's why we had look at Right. Now, it's not changing the reality. The reality is that you cannot claim you own something just by visually, just saying this can't be the source of where you're learning that point from. Okay. All right. Someone says like this, Umi matzis amar, can you really say charaktani, that it's all one? All one means that it's all one case, and it's not two separate cases with four people, right? So comes along Rav Papa, and Rav Papa offers a different interpretation. But Rav Papa is going, going to say, actually, it is two different cases, and they're dealing with two different circumstances. Let me explain it outside. He says, court case A, they're arguing about who found it. Okay? And what's the ruling? Since they both grabbed onto it, all right? We can't just say, Amotz Mechaver of a Lavariah, like we pointed out. So therefore, we have to divide it with a Shvua. What's going on in court base B? They're not claiming they both found it. The case is there, it's a Mecca Chumemka. They're saying they both bought it. They're saying it's not a case of finding. No, I paid for it. No, I paid for it. We'll get the clarity of all the details. But now it's two separate cases. Now we understand why one case is Animatasia, the other case is Kulashali. They're talking about two completely different situations. The result is the same, but one is talking about Mitsia and the other one's talking about Memka. Now still. Who's holding it? The they're both holding it. Both the holding two it people that are fighting over. The yeah, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. The two buyers, two the buyers. Two buyers yeah. Now, the point that's going to be made is still, why can't one principle be learned from the other? That's the standard. Even when you have two cases, the, the Mishnah never gives you two cases of something unless both of them are necessary. It's called a trichasa. 
That's a, you need to have both. And we're going to have to find out why taka do we need both cases, even if one is a metzia and the other one is a case of mecha chumemkar. Okay, let's see. So Amr Papa, the Yitayma, some say was Shimi Bar Ashi. For Amr Kadi, the word Kadi, by the way, there's different ways to explain it. Some say there was a name of a fellow, and others say Amr Kadi means it's like it's some anonymous fellow. Okay? We don't happen to have his name. Right, so that's what Kadi means over here is subject to a uh, to discussion. All right, uh, the marshal is to take a look over the back and it goes through it. Now, says the word like this, Reisha. So what's your papa or whatever these other people all say that the first case as the word sounds, they're arguing about what kind of scenario a metzia. Means each one's claiming that they found it first. The safer and the second case. He's talking about a case of mekachumemkar. That's a buying and selling situation. All right, betricha, and right away it says betricha. Betricha means what? That it's necessary to write both of those cases. Now let me explain how Rashi learns this. Rashi learns as follows: is that the assumption the Gemara is making right now is that the purpose of the shvuah is stopping somebody from rationalizing. We don't assume people are really bad people, but sometimes when they put in an opportunity, they put in a situation where there's an opportunity that they can gain something, they're not gonna be out and out thieves or liars, but they might rationalize something that allows them to claim what they're claiming. But even a person that's rationalizing generally will wake up and smell the coffee, coffee when what? When he's faced with taking a shvua. Right, so therefore, that's the premise. Now, Tozer's and other Rishonim disagree with Raj, because Raj, by implication, he's saying is that the shvua only works when there's a mora heter. But when a person is an out-and-out thief, then Chachamim, there's no purpose of, of the shvua for that case, why? Because anyway, as a thief, He's going to anyway swear falsely. Taizvah says that that's not necessarily true because that's actually a discussion where the Chashid HaMamon is Chashid HaShvuoso. That if somebody you suspect of lying, uh, by, uh, of stealing, would you also suspect him of swearing falsely? But Rashi goes with the premise over here to understand why you need both the case of Metziah and the case of Mechachememkar, because with, with the one, you would not have been learned the other, because the, first, the purpose and the function of the oath is to primarily dispel where a person's being more hetter. Now, you don't have to actually understand Rashi like the Rishonim are answering. It could be Rashi holds that a shvur will be effective even for a person that you know might be a thief. However, Chachami would not make the Takana of Shvua only for that guy. They don't make Takanas for guys that are, only, they make Takanas only where the guy could really be a good guy and this is to stop him from doing something wrong. That's how could Rashi could learn. But the point of the matter is you have to be Morehetter. That's why you might have thought, that's where you have to make a Shvua, where the person's been Morehetter. Morehetter means that it's rationalizing a Heter for himself. Which in general, you're going to say most cases, people are generally not bad people. Most bad places, a person is not out and out going to steal something, but he justifies it to himself. The Shvua wakes him up. Now, to eat Tana Metzia, let's go through it. If you would have recorded only the case of Metzia, means Metzia, the halacha is, 
that you say that two people are arguing about something, they found it, I found it, you found it first, he found it, right? That's where we say, go ahead and make an oath and then split it. Why did they say make the oath in that case? I'll tell you why. Because Havamina, I would have said as follows. It's specifically in a case of a lost object, the fighting over a lost object with the Rabbanon imposed an oath in such a case. Why? Mishum de Mori, because that allows itself for greater uh, 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 rationalization. Mori uh, doesn't mean, it means in, in justifying or rationalizing something to yourself. Why? Because the person's going to say, Listen, my friend did not put a dollar into this item. Me taking it from him doesn't cause him to lose a dollar. It's not, not a real loss, right? So, Ezo. Atfis, and therefore, even if you saw your friend have it, grab it first, you can rationalize, why should he have it? I'm going to go ahead and grab onto it. At the end of the day, you know what? So we'll split it. Let's split it. Let's at least share it. Why should he have it all? What did he do? He didn't pay for it. So therefore, that could be the rationalization. So therefore, come along the Chachamim, and they know people think that way. What do they do to show which one might have had that rationalization? They imposed an oath. Imposed an oath. In that case, the oath will, wake, will work. Because a person, even though he might have that, had that rationalization, that won't allow him to do what? To take a shvur, take an oath, right? To take a false oath. However, in the case of Mekah Memkar, all right, where you're fighting over per, the purchase of an item, all right, now the Leika Lamei where you can't go ahead and say this. Now, we're going to see in a, at the end of the, uh, uh, towards the, a little later, in the middle of the daf, that actually the case of Mecca Memka wasn't just that one person paid the money, and the question then was, who paid for it and therefore owns it? Because in that case, for sure, one guy is clearly out and out uh, stealing something. But that's not the case. The case over there is that both of them actually gave the money to the shopkeeper. One, the shopkeeper took willingly, the other guy, the bundle was thrown at the shopkeeper and he's not able to distinguish which one is which. But now in that case, one of them is, so therefore, why is there no rationalization of it? Because at the end of the day, what do you mean? Your friend didn't do anything. You're right, an Aveda, you just bump into an Aveda on the street. You did nothing for that Aveda. But if you're looking for a deal, how can you say, what did my friend do for that deal. Your friend's been shopping for the last three hours getting a deal. So therefore to be rationalized and say, well, why should he have it? The reason he should have it is because he's been looking for the deal. He's been putting the effort and time into it. So therefore the one at this point says, therefore there's not as much reason to assume that somebody would be able to rationalize grabbing onto. Now, just the way Tosa understands Rashi, and therefore Rashi would say, in that case, the guy clearly knows that he's doing something wrong is stealing it away from the other guy, we're not going to allow that person to take an oath. That's what you might have thought. We might have thought that. So come Ashmalan, that even in that case, we're still going to allow a person to have an oath. But the reason we had to have the case of Mecca Chamemkar, because if you had the case of Metziah, I would not necessarily conclude that that would also be the outcome in the case of Mecca Chamemkar. With me? It's just like this. So therefore, Aim Aloy. All right, what's the obvious next question? 
then why not just write the case of Mechachamemkar? If in the case of Mechachamemkar, you divide with an oath, then Kalvachomer, based on the logic, you're following the train of logic in the case of Metziah. Everybody with me so far? But the is going to say no, because you could also argue the opposite. You could argue there's more reason to rationalize in the case of Mechachamemkar than is in a case of Metziah, and therefore you would not have been able to derive the case of Metziah from the case of Mecca Chumemkar. So Moran says like this, now, um, if it only wrote the case of Mecca Chumemkar, the Bach puts in the word over here, uh, right, Hassam. Uh, so over there, in the case of Mecca Chumemkar, maybe that's where the Chachamim imposed the oath. Because in the case of Mechamemka, why? Because Mishum because there actually could be argued there's more reason for, ju- for a person rationalize, rationalizing his wrongdoing. Why? For Ammar, because he says like this. He says, listen, at the end of the day, we both gave money. But I gave money as well. Now, it might be his money got there before my money. But at the end of the day, he's not really going to lose. Why is he not going to lose? Because if the sale goes to me, he's going to end up getting his money back. So it means, forget about the effort. But at the end of the day, he's getting his money back. So therefore, I don't have a problem giving my money second and claiming I gave it first because he ends up getting, he's getting his money back. But in the case of Metziah, if he doesn't get it, well, there's no, he's not getting another Metziah. It's not he's losing the Metziah. And he found it first, it really should belong to him. So therefore, there's less reason to rationalize in the case of Metziah than there is in the case of Mechamemkar. So if you only had the case of Mechamemkar, that's where we make a shvur, because that's where the shvur could work. But not in the case of Mechamemkar, because there, according to the second Sad, there's less reason to say that a person would have, ra- ra- therefore, it must be an out and out Ganav. An out and out Ganav, we're not going to impose a shvur in the case of an out and out Ganav. Everybody with me? So more just like this. Therefore, like this. So why? Because uh, you could say is that that's where the Rabbah imposed the Shvur. Mishum, because the because the person will, ju- will, will rationalize and say, my friend gave money, but I also gave, uh, gave money. So and I feel now I need it more than he does. I need this item more than he does. So so therefore I'm going to take the item and let my friend go find and buy another one. He's not losing out. Why is he not losing out? Because he's also going to get back. Because this is the money. But you can't say that by Metziah. You can't say let him go find another one. There is no other one to be found. And therefore, since there's no rationalization like that over there, you might think that there the ruling's not going to be divided with an oath. That even there we divided with an oath. So therefore, therefore you have to have it. Now, the, the, this piece of Gemara, again, Gemara is not linear. Sometimes certain things happen later in the Gemara, which explain the, what, why we understood something earlier. So this discussion right now actually is prior to the previous discussion. But the Gemara is now is going back on, Rav Papa learned that the case of Metzasiyah, a, a, a case where they argue about a lost object, and Kulishali, Kulishali is talking about a Mecca situation. And what's the case, Mechtubula? The two customers are fighting over the item, all right? And each one, in the Gemara's now in the assumption is that only one of them paid. 
Well, if only one of them paid, then let's ask the shopkeeper who gave the money. So it makes sense that the one that gave the money is the one that was the, 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 that the shopkeeper sold it to, right? So the Gemara right now, so therefore this, pre, this predates the earlier Gemara, because the earlier Gemara we already gave up, that we, both of them ended up, which is going to be the Maskana over here. Now Raja gives us a little bit of information from Masechus Kedushin. And from Masechus Kedushin, the Gemara says, that the, 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 the Gemara says over there, is that a shopkeeper is believed it's a bride saying, Masechus Kedushin. Shopkeeper is believed to say who he sold it to. So why doesn't our Gemara just say, just ask the shopkeeper? Right? Because the, the Gemara over there is talking about when is the shopkeeper believed to say who he gave it to is what he's still holding on to. means who did you agree to? If the shopkeeper still has it in his hands, he's believed to say who I agreed to. But once he releases it, he no longer has that believability because he's already, his mind is on... The next sale is not focusing on what happened over here. So why is it different over here? Because Rashi says, because that's only in a situation if he released it, but he not take the money from one. If he took the money from one, then he would be believed again to say who he took the money to. And from who he took the money from is clearly the person that he intended to sell it to, which is based, that's what the Gemara asks. So let's see who he took the money from. All right? So what it says, now the problem over here is like, no, Tzrichla, the case is necessary to knock at me travayu. Actually, the problem is over here, he has taken the money from both of them. Michad mitaite, one was with his own volition, he wanted to take from that one. Or Michad balkof, the other one, the guy stuffed it into his hands. He didn't take it with his own volition, right? Below Yadana, and we don't know, mihu midaite, mihu balkorche, which was the one that he acquiesced to, and which is the one yeah, that was forced, that was forced upon him. So Moana says like this, okay. So we now have, we're now moving into the next section, uh, the, the next transition of, the, of, of, of understanding the Mishnah. We already have ex- explained what the case of the Mishnah was. You have the case of two people holding onto an item, whether it came through arguing through a Metziah, whether it came arguing the case of Mecca Chumemkar, all right? And the ruling of the Mishnah is, you split it, but only if they both are willing take a shvua. Right, that's the thing. So now the one is going to now go to different places in Shas and show whether or not the rulings there will conform with our Mishnah or the Tana of that ruling cannot be the author of our Mishnah. All right? Now, Rashi, by the way, I'm just going to throw it out here because it is an Iyur and it's a very important Rashi. Rashi in the bo- at the bottom talks about Mecca Chumemkar. He says specifically the case of Mecca Chumemkar. Rashi learns that we say Yachloku with a Shvua because it is possible, there is an outside chance that he sold it to both of them willingly. Right? He sold it to both. Yeah, he double sold it to them or accepted from both. Right? That they're willingly. Therefore, <coughs> Raji says that that is where we would divide it with an oath. But let's say it's a case where the two people are arguing, I, I wove the garment. And the other one says, no, I wove the garment. Now, for sure, in that case, there's a Ramai. Wove, wove the garment? Wove. I made it. I made it. No, I made it. All right. In such a case, and they're both holding on to it, but they argue about who made it. In such a case, Raji says, there, 
the fact that we switch it, we only talk about a case of what founded and Metsiya, because those are, at the end of the day, distinct, no, there's, there's, there's outside possibilities, they're not necessarily dealing with a liar in front of you, a Ramai in front of you. But where the argument is, each one says, I made it, I made it then made it. it could be, we would not allow you to divide it with an oath, because maybe we're not going to give an oath in such a case where we know for a fact, one of them is, a liar. One of them is clearly a liar. That's what Raji points out, right? He says that, in the, that, keep that in the back of your mind, because that has implications on, on some of the other things here. But now the Gemara over here is dealing with the, the, the scenario of Benanas. What is Benanas' case? The case of Benanas is as follows, right? Let's go with this. There are two scenarios there, but let's go with one of them. All right? You have, uh, you, you're, you're, you're painting your house, all right? So you have painters. Now you owe the painters, they charge, what do painters charge today? An hour, Ira? I don't know what they charge, but they charge a lot of money, okay? $30 an hour, okay? And I, I think that ship has sailed a long time ago. But anyway, the point is that, so you owe them now $300. You owe the painters $300, but you don't have cash. So you send a message to your shopkeeper, do me a favor, put in the ledger on credit that when they come to you, You'll pay them the $300, and then what? At the end of the month, oh, the shopkeeper has money. You don't, your ca- you don't have the cash on you right now, and he'll pay for you. Now, he trusts you. He doesn't know who they are, right? But he trusts you, and therefore, he says, fine. Now what happens is, shopkeeper comes to him and says, okay, you owe me $300. Painters come to him and say, Never got the money. Never gave us the money, all right? Welcome to the real world. Welcome to the real world, okay? Mm-hmm. Can't trust, can't trust. So what happens over here? Chachamim say, hey, listen, you, the homeowner, you should not have put yourself in that situation, right? So therefore, you're going to have to pay $300 to each one. You're going to have to pay each one $300. You owe the shopkeeper because the shopkeeper say to you, listen, you trusted these guys. I didn't trust these guys. You trusted me. I did what you said. You have to pay me the shop painters say, we did the job. He pays it. We don't know who he is. And he's not giving us the money. So you can't say, but the Chacham said, but each one has a right. But the, the owner, homeowner has a right to make each one take an oath. Right. A right to take each one and take an oath. Comes along Benanas and says, I'm not going to allow for an oath in such a situation because it's going to end up that that's clearly one of them is lying. So you're going to have to pay each guy without an oath. But then... The just listen, just listen. All right? So, that's, a, that's Benanas' ruling. So it says, what do you see? That Benanas does not allow for an oath. For an oath. He, does, he says, you've got to pay. Or, so therefore, what would you think when, Bananas... He, he, don't allow, he doesn't allow for an oath when he knows that one of their... When, or, well, oath. that's we're going to get into. But when there is a possibility of a false oath, Bananas doesn't allow. So therefore, the Gemara assumes, therefore, Bananas could not... That's what the Gemara is assuming. Let's see if that's true or not. Let's see. Everybody with me? Yeah. The says like this. says, Let's say that our mission does not follow the opinion of Bananas. Why? How can you allow one of these two parties to end up making a, a shvua in vain? It's actually you're not in vain. Actually, it's more than just in vain over there. But it's going to be actually a lie, right? 
So therefore, our Mishnah, then he should also say, how can you make, allow each one of these guys to make an oath? It should, it'll be a Shavuot Shav. That's, that's, that's right. Tomorrow says like this, Afilutayim Venanas. You could say it works according to Venanas because Hasam Vada Ika Shavuot Shav. This would either do it going in that direction. There, there's no question. One of them will make a false oath. Why is it for sure one of them is making a false oath? Because either the shopkeeper paid the painter or he didn't. Did and they're both swearing, so therefore that's where she went. But you know, you're going into the situation knowing there'll be a false oath. We cannot impose the oath. All right. But hacha, ikal ameyma deleka shav. Why? Because So in the case of Metsiya, because it could be they both picked it up together. So if they both picked it up together, what's really the oath? I owe less than, I don't, I, I, I have in, I don't have in it less than 50%. They're both making an honest oath. Right, so, maybe, right. ma- so maybe Ben Anas would be okay right. with that. Right. Ah, what about the case of Mecca Chomemkar? What about, because remember, it's not, According the case of our Mishnah yeah. is not just the case of Metzir. That's what Raji said. It is possible that the guy sold it to both. There they is a buzz. It's not a common possibility, but it could be he both he's, he they oh, both paid and he oh, wanted. Uh, then, then it's really the shop owner who's the liar. No, it's not really a liar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just it was, things were just things are going crazy. Yes, yes, yes. Take both the money. He took the money at the same time. And then, but it is possible that it's fifty-fifty. Therefore, the oaths here are the only. You could say the bananas yeah, is ruling is only when there's a hundred percent. There's going to be a false oath. But when there's a glimmer of it not necessarily being a false oath, then Beistin will impose it. So therefore, that means Benanas, therefore what? Could, could, could be what? Could, could be what? the author of the mission. That's the point, right? that's the point, yes. So therefore... Because here's a scenario we're going to go through right now where Benanas, even, even in the buying and selling, we would say it's okay. That's, I just, because I, I, otherwise yeah. the one doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right, all right. Now, let's go now to a sugya that hopefully you all remember because we had it, I believe, on Lamed Vav in Baba Kama and we had it on Mem Vav on Baba Kama. What was the case? Remember this case, guys. We have an ox chasing a pregnant cow. An ox chasing a pregnant cow. Then witness us seeing this. And they go around a corner and when we get there, we find a dead cow and a dead fetus. All right. Now, the question over there is, there's no question that the ox, the owner of the ox, has to pay for the cow. The question is, does he also have to pay for the fetus? Now, what, what that would depend on is, was the, 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 the question was, did the uh, cow miscarriage, did she miscarry prior to being gored or as 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 because of the attack the fetus dislodged the fetus was the now what's going to be the difference if it happened before the 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 attack then the owner of the ox does not have to pay okay they they got scared but you're not high for scaring the cow right if it happened, if the, the fetus was, was, was within the mother when the goring took place, then the owner of the ox would have to pay, right? That's a mach, now there's a machlokus there between Benanas, uh, uh, between Sumchus and the Chachamim. The Chachamim say, so really what you're asking over here is the owner of the cow is making a claim against the owner of the ox. Yes? Yes. Yes. So the Chachamim say, the one the, the burden of the claim of, of, of the proof 
is on the claimant. You want to take away money from... Yeah, so, right? Prove it. If you can't prove it, he doesn't pay. Says Sumchus, Yachloku. We split 50-50. means whatever the damage of the fetus would have been, they both take a 50% loss in that. So one gains half, the other one loses half. It's a 50-50, you split it. But, and he doesn't require an oath. So what do you see? He sees over there, there's an argument over money, and he's saying yachloku, and he says yachloku, and there's no oath, which therefore should show you that one, he cannot be the author of our Mishnah. Over there, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Not this guy, not this guy. This guy, one of them knows. Well, let's see, let's see. Let's see what the case is. It's more as follows. So therefore, let's say the Mishnah does not follow the opinion of Sumchus. Why? If it's going like Sumchus, Sumchus says that when you have money that's in question, what do you do? You divide, and not only that, but below, Shmuel, important, right? So why says like this. Says well, okay, fine. So we see that doesn't line up with Sumchus. But you know what? It really doesn't line up with the Chachamim either. Because what do the Chachamim say? The Chachamim don't say over there Yachloka with a Shvua. The Chachamim say over there Motzi Mechavera Lavaraya. So therefore, that's that, different. That also should be different than, 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 than the Chachamim over there. Why are you pointing just on, on Sumchus? So why says like this. Elamai Rabona, Amra Motzi Lavaraya. So hi my the more says that's not a, that's not a question why because because if you want to say the rabbanon are the authors of our mishnah so we can explain how can they be the authors of our mishnah as well as being right because i'll say it like this because awesome in that case lotopsi travayu there's, they, they're not both holding on to. In our case, they're both holding on to the item they're fighting over. So therefore, where they're both holding on to the fire, that negates sure. any moti mechavero lavaraya because the bottom line is they're both holding it. In that case over there, there's only one person actually holding on to anything. Who's holding on to anything? Ox, the ox owner has the money. The ox owner is holding on to his money. So that's when they say, But in our case, where there is no muxak on the mamon, in our case, they're both holding equally. So then they'll say, So therefore, the Chachamim could be the authors of Mishnah. Then we don't have a problem with. So therefore, but in our case, the Travayu Tavsi said they're both holding, so then they will agree with the ruling about Mishnah that it should be divided with the Shvur because there is no Motsi Mechavel of Araya that you're going against. But Ella, Iyamat Sumchus, Sumchus is the problem, as we stated. Because Hashta, because over there, even if they're not holding, he's willing to divide it without an oath. So here where they both have a right to it because they're holding, for sure he holds it, should be dividing it without an oath. So therefore, Hashdamahasim the Loitavsi Travayu, where they're both not holding, and therefore Cholkin Beloshvur, and still he divides it without an oath. Hacha Travayu Tavsi, where you're both holding, so look, Cholshukin, all the more so that what? It should be divided without an oath, right? Because here you have a right to it by the fact, and, and so then why do you need a Shvur? Someone says like this. Now this may be where you were going as well. I feel the time of Sumchus. That's not a problem. We can really make it Sumchus. You know why over here there's an oath and over there there's, an, there's no oath? Because over there, Lechorah, it's a Shema and a Shema. Nobody knows what happened around the corner. So if nobody knows, how can you make an oath if what? 
So therefore, when you don't know, we don't make you make an oath. But here, where each one's claiming to know, so there you make an oath. So therefore, therefore, when they both don't know what happened, but each one's claiming certainly what happened, so then that he would not have said that, and therefore, here there's a reason, because each one's claiming it's his with certainty, they would take an oath that you're telling the truth. Now, he would not have said that. means he would not have said do it without an oath. Here we're done with an oath. Says it more like this. That answer works according to the other Chachamim. But Rabbi Bar Rav Huna learns, if you remember back in Baba Kama, he learned the case in Baba Kama is that both parties are claiming they saw what happened. Now if both parties are claiming that we saw what happened, then you can't give the answer we just gave. Because that means simplest saying that you divide without an oath, even though both parties are bari. Everybody with me on that, right? So my says like this. Well, the rabbi of Hunadamar Amar Sumchos Afila Bari Vabari. So my ikalameimar. What are you going to say? So why is it a difference? You can't say the difference of there. There's no oath because the guys don't know what happened. Because he learns. Rabbi Chana learned the case of the Mishnah where Sumchos argued the Chachamim is both people are claiming. Right. They do, and still there's no oath. Mm-hmm. So why over there there's no oath, and over here there is? How could it be sumkus? No, we can still say the Mishnah doing like sumkus. Now what the one is going to introduce us to, we're going to learn this the way Rashi learns. Machlokas Rashi tells us in a few places in Shah's about this, like this. There's a concept of drora de mamona. Drora mamona, Rashi learns, means there's for sure a loss of money. Someone is for sure losing money, right? So the way... The way uh, the Gemara is going to answer, and they're going to question why this is a good answer. But the Gemara is going to say as follows, right? The Gemara is going to say that in the case of the fetus and the ox, somebody for sure is going to end up losing money. Right? It's either the owner of the cow, if the, uh, if the pregnancy was not aborted before the damage, or it's the owner of the ox, to so where there's a loss of money, for sure, certainly a loss of money, then Sumchus does not require an oath. But in the case that we have over here, right, there's no loss of money. Both of them. Both parties. There's no, there's no, uh, it's not for sure that there's a loss. Yes, there's for sure not a necessarily a, 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 uh, a loss of money, right? Because, uh, uh, right, Right, why is it for sure not a loss of money over here? Why is it for sure not a loss? Yes, because it's possible that it, does, it was done together. It was, it's possible that it was done together. In the case of finding, or even the case of the purchase. So there, it's not for sure that there's a loss of money that's going to end up, that one of them is going to illegally lose money. It's not for sure. So therefore, so it says, when there's for sure a loss of money, there's no oath, when there's not for sure a loss of money, then there is an oath. And now that's and a, in our case, there there is not. There's not a draw to my money. It's not just because they could have both oh, fixed it up together. They could have both together, right? So well, what is that? Because, because they both could have, could have agreed to both of them together. We said before. We said it's not for sure. Where there's certainly a loss of money. It's not certainly there's a loss of money. Low. Now the one says like this. The logic. I understand the distinction, but the logic is the should be the opposite. When there's for sure a loss of money, we should want to clarify it with an oath. 
When it's not for sure a loss of money, then maybe we don't need to have an oath. But if you tell me when there's not even for sure a loss of money, we still make an oath, then for sure when there's a loss of money, we should require an oath. The logic is exactly the opposite. Says more of a lav kalvachomer. I'm saying, is it not a kalvachomer? Umar asam the ikadrar de mamon de lamar, ikadrar de mamar. Is that there's for sure a loss of money either to one of the partners, to the guy, the oxen, and what? Because over there, the ikalamem, it's not really. Because for sure, not to, not, someone said maybe, not, but for sure, it either either the fetus, the, or the value of the fetus belongs to the, that it should be collected by the one, or ikalamem, which belong by the other one. And still, he divides it and does not require an oath. That even though the oath there could have helped clarify that the guy should not lose his money, and he does not require it. But here that there is no, not for sure, it's not for sure loss of money. Why? Because it could technically belong to both of them. So it could be no one's actually losing with the outcome. So in Lokosha again, then all the more so that over here, there should not be a requirement of an oath. Where the oath could have helped you, there he doesn't make it do it, and it would have for sure helped you because one of them for sure is losing money illegally. So here where it's not for sure helping because maybe they both actually... Uh, so look, Kosher Kane, uh, uh, right? Then the Gemara says no. Says the Gemara like this. And now this is the, 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 really the end part of the sugya. Says the Gemara like this. You can really say the author of the Mishnah is Sumchus. So why in our Mishnah does he require a Shvur? But it does not require a Shvur in the case of the ox and the cow. So Sumchus, the Gemara is going to say is like this. Is that Rabbi Yochanan is going to explain that the purpose of this oath, it's not a Torah-mandated law, uh, oath. Why did the Chachamim make an oath in our Mishnah? Because Chachamim say, we know the human condition. You see somebody finding something, or you seeing somebody buying something that you would like to buy, often people might just go ahead and say, I want part of that action, jump in on it. So therefore, the purpose of the oath is to stop somebody from jumping over and trying to grab a metzio, trying to grab a purchase where he didn't do it first. That's the purpose of the oath. That logic only applies in our Mishnah. It can't apply in the case of the cow. That's not something I, it's not a planned event that you see and therefore you're just, that's not, so. It's, it, it, what's that? It's uncommon, but it's uncommon. It's not something that you can say, okay, we understand, therefore this might cause a person to go in and that's not, that's not, that's not the purpose of the oath. The oath is to stop someone from doing something that we expect the person to go ahead and do. So that's when they made that tacon. It only applies in our mission. It doesn't apply over there. So when it says like this, let's see it inside. So says the Gemara, I feel the The author of our mission could be simplest. Why? He says like this. This is only a rabbinically imposed oath. Like Rabbi Yochanan said, I'm Rabbi Yochanan. The purpose of this oath is to stop somebody seizing a garment that might belong to his friend. And therefore, that svara only really applies, therefore, where? In the case of our Mishnah, does not apply in the case of the Shor and the Parah. We'll stop here.